Hey, telling on ourselves is not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous. We do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. We simply are here sharing what we've learned in our program of recovery. Hopefully it can help you, your friends, your family, and just get through another day a little bit easier. It surely helps us. Hi, I'm Vicki. I'm Lynn. I'm Bree. And we are Telling on Ourselves. So excited to be here this week. Our topic today is surrender. And for some strange reason, I have Elvis's return to sender in my head since she since we talked about it and Vicky texted and said, How about surrender? I'm like, Return, return to, to surrender. surrender. <laughs> well, we need to talk about telling, 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 telling on ourselves. ourselves. Telling, telling. 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 Telling on ourselves. I said, what? Telling on ourselves. Telling on ourselves. Telling on ourselves. Bam, I like it. All right, well, we are going to start out with first thought wrong, which is what we always start out with. And just in case you haven't listened before, first thought wrong is basically what happens to most humans, but especially, especially alcoholics and addicts that are, or whatever, intense. And um, my first thought wrong means that uh, automatically it comes to my head. I, I tend to go to this place of negativity or I go to this place of like, ooh, that sounds like a good idea. I'm going to do something really dumb. And um, so, so when, I, when we say first thought wrong, we think it. And the good news is hopefully we don't act on it. And if we do, we're telling on ourselves. So we're going to tell on ourselves. So that's kind of the story. If it made any sense, I will be shocked. And kind um, of the story of our podcast. Yeah. Because we're, we're on a path, a journey to be honest. Yeah. Ugh. Mm. Honest, open, and willing. <laughs> so, um, so I am on a new journey personally, and I'm trying to start a um, woman's business that is in, it is quite cool, um, and it is all around women and self-care and worthiness and really um, just how we can carve out time for ourselves and... All the, all the good feels about being a, a woman that we can't help anybody until we are filled up ourselves. So as I'm working on this content and as I'm working on telling my story and as I'm working on figuring out why I'm doing what I'm doing, I'm running into stumbling blocks. And, the, and these stumbling blocks are basically all the things I'm trying to teach, right? All the things I'm trying to encourage women not to do, here I go doing it. And, and it's funny how higher power does that. So higher power does this thing of um, reminding us where, where we run short or where we need to improve. So my first thought wrong is basically, who are you to be putting this content together? Who are you to think that you can do this? Well, you know, It's all that self-doubt, that negative self-talk. And... In actuality, I've I've conquered it a lot, and but here's the the good news that that's what the whole class is about is conquering it continuously because we're going to continuously get these voices in our head. Like I always talk about the bad roommate in our head, and it was funny because I was talking about that bad roommate and how um, 
you know, you need to evict your bad roommate. And someone said to me recently, don't evict the bad roommate. You need to be kind to her and take care of her and say, I hear you, honey. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And then give her another job. Mm -hmm. Like give her a job of helping you feel brave when you're not feeling brave in a conversation, which is something that also happened to me. So my second first thought wrong was, I was talking to someone about this business and about how excited I am and what I want to share with the world. And this person said to me, can you make any money doing that? And instantly I felt my body shift into this like negative space of my shoulders went in and I said, no, I mean, I felt like a child. Mm -hmm. I felt like a child and I didn't speak my truth. And that's what I'm trying to teach. So I need to get my, um, you know, it's not true. Mm-hmm. It's not true. So so higher power is giving me all these opportunities to practice what I am teaching in my business personally. And I mean, hey, if I can walk through it, then I'm okay. I think so. It's my story. That is awesome. Thank you. What was your second thought? Right. So my second thought, right, was I um, deserve to do this because I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And I've done it, but I'm doing it. And I think that's what's so important to me, doing it messy, doing it um, when it's hard, doing it when you don't believe you can, because that's the whole idea. It's, it's what Eckhart yep. Tolle says, right, about this ego wants us to be small and wants us to to he thrives on those negative ego I made ego a man whoops ego <laughs> thrives on those negative things and um Your ego is gender neutral oh yes um and and I don't have to buy into it because right. it's actually not a fact the fact of the matter is I have gotten through some really hard stuff and I've gotten through some like zero self-esteem and now I have self-esteem and mm-hmm. I have self-love and I have I make time for self-care, and I set boundaries, and I say no. Do I always speak my truth? I didn't the other day, but will I get another opportunity to practice that? Hell yeah. Absolutely. I feel that learning to speak your truth piece. I keep learning that lesson over and over and over again in my life right now. And then, Vicki, I just want to say you're planting seeds, and it would be such a shame if, you know, you planted all these, like, these hardships are seeds, and then you just didn't continue to water them and let them grow. If you just, they were planted and then it was like, wow, that that's really hard. I'm just going to walk away now, you know? So. Yeah, I can't. they don't germinate. Right. Wait, we're, you're germinating right now. I guess I am. <laughs> you are. Um, another really cool thing I thought of when you were talking, I uh, listened to a, an Elizabeth, Anne Elizabeth Gilbert interview not too long ago, and she was talking about how you have to love and embrace that, that roommate in your head, the one that's negative. You don't get rid of her. She said, this is her um, analogy that I love. She said she puts her in the back seat of the car, and she tells her, you can't drive. You can't even give directions, but you can be here with us. And I love that. I love that that is a great way to look at that negative part of our brain that is going to try to diminish us and make us feel less worthy or less um, accepting of things. And that's, it's part of us, just like everything is a part of us. All the good and the bad makes us who we are. So you welcome her and you say, you're here, honey, and you're going to be here and we're going to love you, but you don't get any say in anything. Well, it kind of reminds me of a couple different things. One is people that are hurt 
hurt people. Mm -hmm. So those mean, nasty, crotchety people that we mm -hmm. run into that are our biggest teachers, they need our love more than anybody yeah. else. Right. So that's that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. And and we do have to love that person and, and that is a part of us. Yep. That's a part of our story. Yeah. So I mean, when my friend told me that the other day when I was explaining that, it was it was light bulb and how funny that how how um how serendipitous. It's, yeah, it's it's a beautiful circle, and we come around. And I was that person. I, I hurt the people that were trying to love me. They were trying to love me, and I would hurt them because I didn't feel worthy of it. And so the the easiest thing for me to do to make to assure myself that I was not worthy was to show them, you know, what a piece of crap I was, and uh, would hurt them and lash out. And I still go there sometimes. We all do. And I think it's a continuous process. Yeah. I don't know, but so far in my life, it's been a continuous process. And mm -hmm. and I guess if I think of it, if it goes that way less, then I'm 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 winning. Like I'm I'm on the upswing. It's progress, and mm -hmm. and none of us are perfect. We're never going to be perfect. And for us to be able to have the thoughts and not act on it, that's huge. Well, that's when you know you're in a good spot. Mm -hmm. But when you're having the thoughts and then you're acting on them, and then you don't realize till afterwards mm -hmm. what's going on, that's that's messy. That's yeah, that's hard. Well, I would like to start off right now about some feedback we've gotten, and I want to yes. explain to the world certain things that we've been um, talking about that might be inside jokes that we thought you were in on because we're just <laughs> so close with you guys. It's really strange. Um, so one of those is um, we are working on the bracelets. I've taken off my bracelets because I talk with my hands. I'm not really Italian, I found out from my DNA test, but I talk like one with my hands. And I've taken those off. And the number two thing is uh, we talk too fast. So we will work on that for you. But when we get excited, that's going to be difficult. So that'll be a work in progress. And then number three? Frodo. Uh, apparently we assumed everybody in our listening world knew who Frodo was. And Frodo is a, a technically Vicky's sweet little pup, although we all claim ownership to him. So when we're talking about Frodo, he's kind of like our show mascot. He is always right next to us when we're talking, when we're recording. And he, he's like our, our um, emotional support dog, I guess. Oh, he definitely <laughs> is. Yeah. He makes and everything better. He's like ice cream. Yeah, and we do post pictures on Instagram of him, but he is our little man. And then he just ran off right when I said that. He always stays right beside us. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for the feedback because we are babies in this process. We don't know. You know, it's you get into a little bubble where we're just kind of doing our thing and we're not thinking about all that extra stuff that does uh, happen and can be heard while we're recording. And keep it coming. Yeah. Direct message us on Instagram or direct message us on Facebook. Or we have an email address, telling on ourselves 3 at gmail.com. It will be in the show notes. And we really, really, really love your feedback because it helps us hone this into a better production. More, more seamless show. Surrender, surrender. Return to surrender. Surrender. Is that surrender? Yeah, that's a cheat trick. I can't remember who sings it. I was thinking the Lone Ranger. Is it? 
Is it the same people who sing like '99 red balloons? It's like Goldfinger or gold I don't know. No, the '99 loose balloons was that song from the '80s. Yeah, in German. Yeah, I thought it was the same. Surrender. I don't know. Surrender. We'll have to look. You that know which song I'm talking about, though. If anybody knows, please, please yeah. send us a message. Let or us know. But um, so yeah, what do you? Okay, Vicky, I was very interested why you chose this topic this week. We had a couple different options we uh-huh. were we were throwing out there, and I got out of the movie last night, and it said, I choose surrender. Which I thought was so. hilarious, because it took me a second to relate it back to the topic thing. I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> good girl. And then second, I answered in my head and did not respond to her. So then she was like, so what are we doing? I'm like, oh. Well, didn't you read my mind? I, I thought I was all on board with that. Same. How did it feel when you got crickets from both of us? I I knew did we you? would be fine. Okay. I didn't worry, <laughs> and um and and I was I've been up so late. This oh. is so weird. I was up at twelve thirty, and that's when I sent my gratitude thing to you, yeah. girls. Yeah, I got and it, it this was like, like a oh. mile long. You know, um, I think why I chose surrender is because I've been hearing a lot and 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 first step has been speaking to me a lot and i've been going to first step meetings and i'm i i realize that that is the gift of what happened for me to get and stay sober and um you know i i think it's just it's it's such an important piece and it's exactly what i did I just came in and I I surrendered. I had to put my hands up and and admit defeat and that I didn't know what to do. So it's just been speaking to me. My surrender moment was quite uh, quite momentous. It was very definitive. And it was by far, I think, my first spiritual experience. I was struggling with drinking. I had absolutely no belief or hope that I would ever be able to live a life of sobriety. And I had an event happen where I was going to lose a job again. And I went back to my room. It's when I was living in Alaska. Went back to my room that night, and I got on my knees, and I cried. And I finally said over and over, I am an alcoholic. Uh, and I just kept saying it over and over and crying. And it was like someone poured cool water down my back. And I went, that's it. That, that's really, that's it. I am an alcoholic and I, I can't do this. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. But I am an alcoholic. And from there, I woke up the next morning and I was serene. And I knew that even though I, I still didn't know how, I had a tiny, tiny grain of hope that I could. And that was my first momentous surrender. It's a pretty big deal. It was it was scary and beautiful. I, I didn't know you could... I, I had never lived the scary and beautiful at the same time. And mm. I did, yeah. And, by the way, that was two years ago today. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Oh, we don't have to say you. that. Really, really. Yeah, no, we won't. <laughs> but it is... Um, her wonderful anniversary and we do in the program celebrate that and uh, it is always a very for me when I'm going through my my anniversary just profound experience because I go back to that very day Mm -hmm. I go back to that very day and I'll never forget how I felt thank goodness so far yep exactly so my surrender Mm -hmm. which is 
I want to know what you ladies think about this. So I always feel like my surrender happened. I remember getting pulled over and thinking to myself, oh crap, not again. And then I got arrested and I was handcuffed to the police station bench. And there was just like this moment of clarity where I was like tired and exhausted. And it's like all of the running and the partying had just caught up with me. And I actually felt like, okay, I can't go anywhere right now. Like I'm physically handcuffed to a bench and I actually feel like I'm at rest right now. I was overwhelmed, but I knew things had to change, right? Like I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to go through all this court stuff now. And this is clearly a sign, you know, this is... I remember my mom's voice in my head saying, you know, normal people don't get DUIs, you know, like they don't drive drunk, you know, they stop drinking. So I felt like I came to my realization, you know, you had that mm -hmm. drop on your knees moment, Lynn. I feel like that was my drop on my knees moment. But I kept drinking and partying for a couple months because I knew... I knew things were going to have to change. Like I knew I was going to like be dropping for court and trying to find a new place to live. And so I don't know, it didn't change right away, Yeah. you know, but I had that moment where I was like, okay, I, I'm an alcoholic, you know, like this is a problem. I'm tired. The terrifying realization. Yeah. And I read somewhere about rock bottoms are not always some catastrophic event or series of events. It's that realization that, I don't want to live this way anymore. Right. Yeah. And I don't know how mm -hmm. to not. Yeah. That, that's... Yeah. I, I did not know how I would function in this world without my crutch, without mm -hmm. my whoopee. Mm -hmm. it, it, it was my whoopee. It helped me get through everything. Yeah. Every single thing I did. And I don't really know... I have such admiration for people who did it on their own, you know, like they, they live alone or they had families and every, because I felt very protected, right? Like I moved in with my parents mm -hmm. who are sober and I, I had my little bubble and I couldn't drive. So I wasn't going anywhere. People weren't picking me up to party. I knew I had court stuff. I knew I had to be clean. I knew that I wouldn't get my license back unless I showed continuous sobriety. Like there were all these like other motivating factors. So I was like in this bubble until I actually wanted it for myself, you know, like that. It, and then I was sober for a couple months and I was like, this is great. You know, I, this is a good feeling. Mm -hmm. And all that anxiety from the running and the partying, it, it went away. So that was a new surrender, right? The surrender. I don't know. My surrender so story is so. Well, I think that. Funny all over the place. We keep surrendering. Oh yeah. That was my, I think my that's segue. part of the process, uh -huh. right? Um, I had to surrender right now my will in my life to the care of God about my future. Yeah. I am sur I am in complete and utter surrender. Mm -hmm. And it's an everyday thing. I mean, the story is if I don't surrender, my character defects are gonna whip me up and they're gonna they're gonna booby trap me into thinking that those thoughts are true that I was talking about. And I, mm -hmm. I will eventually, if I don't go back to drinking and smoking, I will be a miserable human. Right. So I, I think right now I'm surrendering every single day. Absolutely. Well, I think for me and my emotional sobriety, I have to surrender my ego. And this morning in the meeting, I got my chip for two years and they ask you to say a few words. And 
it, it, it's funny how we, we talk about when we're sharing, how we basically are just letting God speak for us. And it's when you pass that barrier of self-consciousness and you feel comfortable just kind of talking about whatever pops in your head. And it popped in my head. And I'd never um, verbalized this before internally or externally. I forgive myself every day. And the way I'm able to forgive myself every day is that I surrender my ego and I surrender these preconceptions and these expectations that I think I need to be meeting or other people need to be seeing in me, which is, for me, that's a biggie is what people see. You know, it's my wall, my facade, my, my protection, my coat of armor and surrendering that and trying to be a little more vulnerable. I had a thing happen this week where... Someone was saying, you know, you're doing this and you're doing that. And I'm like, it's bullshit. I am such a good bullshitter. And I get so frustrated. But I only have myself to blame because I have spent my entire, I have cultivated this my entire life. My dad taught me, you only have you and you've got to take care of yourself. And the way you do that is never let anybody see your weakness. You can't be vulnerable. And so I have this, you know, this great um, outward appearance of having my shit together. And inside... There's days when I'm still like this trembling little girl that doesn't know what's right. And and that is very powerful. And, and that is a survival skill that mm-hmm. you did learn. Mm-hmm. And, and you learned it and it got you far. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't serve, no, serve us. It's not my to truth. To hold on to it anymore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. People are always really surprised to find out I'm really sensitive on the inside. They're shocked when they find that out because I do. I put out that yeah, like aloof. Yeah, yeah. Do I? You guys I mean, know me. I feel like you know me too well now. I can't. Yeah. I, I know you. I know like when you're physically. I can see it in your face when you walk in a room if you're upset or you're happy. Like I, I mean, I just know you very, very. I, I try to think back to when I first met you, and I remember that like the first time you walked in a room because someone had told me about you. Vicky, of course, had mentioned you about the podcast, right. and then someone else was like, oh, she's so great, and she's bubbly, and I remember thinking, what, um, well, because you just have, like, this energy, it's like you're, you really are a force, and you walked in the room, and you light everybody up. You but, do. Yeah. To other people, they tell me I have, like, the rusting bitch face, like, I look like I come really? across as, Oh, yeah. I don't get that. But I feel happy when I walk into the room, you know, yeah. I'm like, oh, these are my people, I'm gonna <laughs> hang out with my friends, you know, so that's, anyways. Yeah. But, well, I don't think you, I've never seen resting bitch face yeah. on you. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, we get quiet Brie sometimes, and you've explained Quiet Brie. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that introvert needing the recharge. And crabby, I can tell when you're crabby. Well, I was going to make the analogy to the crab when Lynn was talking about it, because <laughs> it's that hard shell, that soft interior, and I will pinch you if you step on me. Like, I like that. Yeah. And then I'm, then I'm going to feel bad I pinched you and, like, retreat really fast. Like, <laughs> and double cancers. back on my words. Yeah, we're cancers. We're little crabs. Like, set the boundary, but then take it back right away, and then just... <laughs> Run, go Do run. the whole thing all over again. To like, the water. What, what happened with when you were moving out? Oh, it's okay. I'll clean your bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're like, what? Yeah. I went from, hey, you got to pay for the cleaning lady to come, for my roommate, for anyone that's listening, to, no, no, okay, I'll clean your room. Like, it's, no, I don't want to clean her room for her. She's her room. She should clean it, you know? But I didn't. I had a hard time with the boundary. Anyways. Mm-hmm. This goes back to surrendering expectations. I think, when Lynn, when you were talking, you did mention surrendering expectations. Yes. That is a lesson that I am repeating in my life. I just had my birthday, my real birthday, on Thursday. Not like, not the versus God, like an button. anniversary. Yeah, yeah, belly button birthday. Belly button birthday. 
and I had all these expectations for how the day was gonna go and I continually had to surrender my expectations and I was getting bitchy. Like when something wouldn't go my way, I'd start to get crabby and then, you know, Dave would give me the feedback that like he's trying really hard and he's sorry and then I would feel bad and I'd be like, okay, whoa, we're having a day. We're having a good day. It like doesn't need to be perfect. We didn't need to be at the beach at one o'clock or at dinner at, you know, everything was, yeah. was very rigid. Instead of just surrendering to the moment, mm -hmm. surrendering expectations, and being grateful. And that is so hard to do. Especially, it was a monumental birthday, right? It was the big three zero. It was the death of my 20s. Yep. And, and Which is a good thing, by the way. My 20s were hell. I would People talk about going back. I'm like, 20s are the last decade I would want to relive. The first half of the decade, <laughs> I don't really remember, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. <laughs> I remember living in Rome. Yeah, That's, that was a that was sad. a realization we had the other night. Do you want to tell our listeners? Yeah, we were talking oh. about where we had traveled or where we had lived. I studied abroad in Rome for four months, and I could not tell you very many details about the four months that I was there. I took a couple big trips, and I remember parts of. I mean, but I really don't remember Barcelona or Madrid because I partied the whole time. France, France and Germany, I remember, but Rome. I lived there for four months, and I didn't do much of anything except just, like, drink all the time. And what blew my mind is she had never shared that with us. We didn't know. We had no idea that she had studied abroad for a semester. Because it feels so <laughs> empty. Like, the, mm -hmm. the whole experience feels kind of empty. Yeah. Well, it was. It was. Unfortunately, that's what alcohol does to us. Mm -hmm. My dad always says that um, alcohol stole my degree. Right? I went to school for four years, but alcohol was more important to me, and I quit going to classes, and I quit my life for alcohol. And it steals, it steals those beautiful moments. It seems like it's fun at the time. Right. I mean, I'm not ever going to go on record as saying I didn't have fun partying because right. I had some fun-ass times, yeah. and, and I have some great friends and great memories. However, there are so many things I missed because of alcohol then and, and especially later in my disease, the things that I missed, the everyday things that I missed because I was so obsessed with alcohol. Right. That FOMO, fear of missing out. Yes. I, I lived in that. Oh, yeah. And then as my disease progressed, I became um, the isolationist because my wall <laughs> was so thick, I couldn't let people see me not being in control. So the, uh, my um, answer to that was to stay at home and drink. So then I became like antisocial, which is so not me. I mean, I, I'm, I did the, the um, what's it called, Myers-Briggs thing, and I'm 50-50 exactly of introvert-extrovert. I do really love being with people, and I get charged from that, and then I need my recharge quiet time. And I, I completely took away, basically, I just realized this, I took away part of my personality. I, I um, took it out of my uh, normal day life because I needed to feed my disease. Huh. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's gross what we let it do. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we really look back and, and think about it, it got ugly. Yeah. It got ugly. But I bet you had fun in Rome. I mean, what happens in Rome, shit, I don't know. You know, I did have fun, but there are, yeah, there's regrets, right? There's, 
No regrets. Well, well, people say that. People go, no regrets. And I'm like, well, yeah, too bad I have them. Like, you know, I, I well, think they're helpful sometimes. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You could relive that and, and oh, go right. back and have a delightful experience and... Um, and you can steal it back from alcohol. I need to make, yeah, I need to make it up to myself and forgive right. myself. Well, that's what I was going to say about regrets. It's okay to have them as long as you don't live in them. Right. And part of that is we're back to that magic word of surrender. You know, you surrender to the feeling because that feeling is valid. You you valid. You were valid in that you regretted not taking more advantage of that. Right. And then you let it go. But I have, yeah, and I have forgiven myself for that mm-hmm. because that was one of the things that I had a hard time letting go of it, just the past in general, like all of the missed opportunities, all the things that I didn't do that I wanted to do. And that's forgiveness for myself. And mm-hmm. I mean, I look back on the Rome thing now and I'm like, I'm okay with it. Right. It, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I turned you were it into so a funny, glib. I know you were so glib about it. We're both like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, the, Italy and Greece are my two, Italy, Greece, Hawaii, and England mm-hmm. are my, like, these are the places I really want to go, and I want to go soon. I'm you like, I'm craving to go. And mm-hmm. then, then there's India and Australia. But those ones, that Italy thing, it just, it speaks to me. And when I see those pictures of people in Greece with all the white, yes, all and the then, white. then the, oh, it's just, I want to go so bad. I would love to go to Greece. One of the things I missed out on was a big, long week trip, uh, week-long trip uh, to Greece over Thanksgiving break, and I ended up flying home for Thanksgiving break. No, no, no. What? It, maybe I'm thinking of a different break. But everyone went to Greece, and because I didn't want to spend like the fifteen hundred dollars on it or whatever, I did something else. I think I I did end up flying home to the United States because it was a five hundred dollar mm-hmm. round trip ticket. I was like, I flew back to the United States when I was like living in Rome for the semester. What was I thinking? <laughs> but I laugh now, you know? Yeah. But it's time to go to Greece. Yes. I'm in. Yep. Okay, so back to surrender, though. Yes. <laughs> Return to surrender. <laughs> Address unknown. Because <laughs> I let it go. I let it go, baby. Yeah. I let that shit go. And, you know, ugh. It's hard at first, and especially when you see new people coming in, and they're holding on so tight to um, their old life, and they're trying to make their old life fit in with their new life, and especially when you're young, Bree, I mean, I saw you you live this loud and clear, and you got through it. Somehow. How did you surrender that? I mean, I think you're still surrendering it, but how did you start surrendering that? You know... I'll just be very honest. It wasn't fun to go to those places with those people anymore if I could not participate. And so I just had to, how did I surrender? I mean, I guess it was just acceptance, right? Like if I want to be sober and I want this life, I have to trust that I'm not going to be missing out on these things over here with these people and higher power is going to fill in that hole with new people and experiences. And slowly but surely, your faith is met with, you know, actual situations that validate it. So instead of going out on a Saturday night, I'd go to like the workshop, whatever that was planned. And I had a good time and I was sober and I laughed the entire time Then went out to dinner with everyone afterwards. And nobody was mad at me at the end of the night for ditching them, throwing up on them, not paying my tab, you know, making out with their boyfriend, whatever, you know, it was a good, the 
the experiences that I was missing out on were replaced with new experiences that were, in my opinion, more fun. But it's like that faith that, you know, I had to do the action of like, okay, I'm just going to go to this workshop, which is totally lame on a Saturday night hang out with all these people that I don't really know yet that are sober and I'm going to be totally awkward because I'm not drinking and I'm not fun when I'm not drinking. I was like, oh, that was actually really great. Every, everything was really fun. And new people. I want to tell you something because it might not be fun at the beginning. I, I, I was speaking to my sponsor yesterday, my old sponsor, my first sponsor, and we were, someone took, we had a picnic. We had a District 13 picnic this week and, and it was great and so much fun. And there was a picture of me on Facebook that she saw. And she said when she saw it, she was laughing her butt off because the very first one I went to, she's like, I couldn't believe your social anxiety that you had <laughs> because you were there and you just, you had to leave for a while. And then I didn't know if you were going to come back and you hated it. And I, I did not like it. Like, I did not like picnics my first year of pic, but I went. And then every year, they got a little bit easier, and she's like, and now I see you in this picture, and you're just shining, and you're the Vicky that I know and love. And, and I'm like, yeah, it only took nine years. <laughs> um, but, but no, I, I had fun before nine years. The, the thing is, is as you do it, it's uncomfortable. Some, some people really enjoy it, and they can jump on board, and it's okay. But basically what I'm saying is give yourself permission to uncomfortably walk through that because right. it isn't always comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I really couldn't understand why people thought that was fun. Like I, I, I really, I did not have fun. And, but that was because I wasn't allowing myself to. Absolutely. Um, and that, that part of that uncomfortableness is change and change is always uncomfortable. And I'm going to read something. They're looking at my phone while you all were talking. It made me think of this cause I didn't do a definition of surrender. I'm like, how did I miss that one? Yes. Yeah, someone, so I, that feedback we got was people like the definition. Great. Well, I looked up a couple of them and this was the one that spoke to me. Um, and if you do a Google thing, you'll like put in a search and they'll go, well, what about this? And it gives you all these other options kind of for like asking the question, which I do like because, oh yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. So it had said, what does surrender spiritually mean? And I didn't quite jive on that one as much because it was a lot about submission to a higher, not to a higher power, submission to an idea, um, which to me was not a positive connotation of that. What I did find is how do I surrender myself to the universe? And that speaks to me. That's just for me. And so this definition is surrender is the intersection between acceptance and change. Ooh. Isn't that awesome? The energy of surrender accomplishes much more than the energy of trying to make things happen or trying to control an outcome. Can yeah. you say the intersection one thing? Yeah. It is the intersection between acceptance and change. And then it is the energy of surrender accomplishes much more than the energy of trying to make things happen or trying to control an outcome. And isn't that like what we try to do on a daily basis is learn that we're constantly learning. And when I, when I read this, when you were talking, I was like, Oh, you know, I was sort of like getting all jittery. I'm like, this is exactly the message that I was trying to formulate in my brain. And I think again, that's why I like definition so much is because I have all the stuff swirling and I can't get it into a cohesive thought. And with definition, it helps me to connect kind of, the dots. Yeah, it connects my dots. And surrender might be also a way of thinking that um, acceptance that there might be another way out there that is better than your way or will turn out better than what you think your way, you know? Right. Yeah. I will tell you 
Surrender is so much easier than trying to create that what we think mm -hmm. it should be. Yeah. And also, it's usually so much better than what I ever exactly. could have created. But if you are so, and funny enough, this was mentioned today. Someone said this to me. When you're trying to go to A to B and you're so focused that your way to A to B is the right way and you're in control of that that straight line to A to B, you are going to miss all of the other opportunities that might be presenting themselves because you're like, I've got this. I know how to get to B. Nobody else is going to tell me how to get to B. Don't mess up my route. But then, yeah. Because you, it's your plan. It was like you were saying about your birthday. You had your plan in mind. Yeah. And then the plan wasn't working out and you, you didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Instead of like... Oh, okay. This isn't going my way, but what else could this be? What else could mm -hmm. this mean? What other opportunities are trying, mm -hmm. trying to bud through or or peak? You know, right? Yeah. And I find that a lot professionally, because I'm a cook and I do a lot of catering events. And you got to have a plan, obviously. And I I'm very uh, regimented in how I do my list making. And like, if it's a couple of days worth of prep and work, I have each day laid out, knowing that. And this is through experience I've learned, knowing that that's not going to go exactly accordingly. But I still know that when the event starts, that's my end game. I got to get all that shit done by the end game. So I've got to figure it all out. And I, it was funny because I could only do use those lessons and those experiences for the, those particular types of tasks. I never had the insight to know that that's how I needed to live a lot of my life was that right. same way. It's like I can have an outline and I can know what I what I need to get accomplished for an end game, but being flexible enough to go, okay, well, that didn't happen today, but I know it's going to get done eventually and it'll work out. And, and that was partly trust in myself. You know, that, that gets where all that stuff gets all jumbled up. You know, I'm so grateful for this mm -hmm what we're doing because I realized through you talking how much I, I've grown because that's how I used to be so rigid about when things like, like when you were talking about, I could so relate and now I don't do that so much. And it's like, whoa, mm -hmm. how did that happen? And how it happened was practicing it and having someone on the phone to talk to or someone after or having this to mm -hmm. talk to to be like, oh, I was doing that, but I kept stopping doing that. And eventually you're going to get through a whole day where you can stop. And that is the whew, goosebumps mm -hmm. everywhere feeling that like this stuff, this shit works. It works if you work it. Mm -hmm. And that is one of our sayings in the program, and it's cheesy as shit. Yeah. But it's so, ugh. And these lessons, um, I know there's a lot of people in therapy that, that do learn these, whether it's through group counseling or whatever. They learn these lessons, and I wasn't able to be open to that before I started the program. But the program really is just the same tool. We're learning the same tools as everybody. And I think that's what I'm, I'm figuring out. It's like, I keep getting these light bulbs and I'm like, I'll talk to someone who's a normie drinker and they'll be talking about that. I'm like, that's what we do. And then they're like, yeah, that's pretty what much. normal people do. That's, that's how people, when they're trying to grow and learn and evolve, that's, that's what we're doing. I'm like, dang, that is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> like my little, my little neon sign. Yeah. We do that too. <laughs> I love that. Vicki Orlin, one of you had said before, like had a quote, mm. had a quote at one time about surrender. Don't like to not look at as, oh, 
I, it, yeah, and someone told me this. It's not the losing side. It's going to the winning team. Is, is that what so you're surrender is not being, being on the losing side. It's choosing to go over yeah. to the winning side. Yeah. Yes, that was it. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Because so like I stop fighting. Yeah, it's, you don't especially in the beginning with anymore. newcomers when they tell you surrender. Surrender means giving in. It means you're like, okay, I'm not going to win. I'm not winning. And it's not about not winning. It's about letting go and changing. It's that intersection of change and letting go and knowing that you can't make an outcome happen. So why don't you go over to the side that's going to let you be? So let's let's wrap it up here yeah. real quick. I do want to give a shout out to Matt and Steve for the wonderful piece of equipment that they gave us. Yes. Thank you. We're going to try it on some of our intros and see how that works. We appreciate it. I'll tell you what, the hand of AA has helped mm -hmm. us and me personally so much. I am I am eternally grateful and hope that I can pay it forward in, in ways constantly. Um, but let's go over our golden nugget. Yeah, golden nugget. Golden nugget. Someone else. I will say that I really liked the part when Lynn was talking about passing the barrier of self-consciousness. Um, and when that happens is when, when the beauty can come out of us, mm -hmm. right? That self-consciousness of, oh, I want to say all the right things in the room and, and make sure I sound like I know what I'm talking about. When that is shed, that's when the real beauty of life can is emote from us or whatever the word is. So that's all. That's mine. Um, mine was when Vicki was talking about her first thought wrong and she was talking about that roommate in her head. And I so relate to that. On uh, Some days it's about minute by minute. I have that roommate um, sitting on my shoulder telling me all the wrong things about myself. And I like that we're not trying to get rid of them. We They're part of us and we embrace them and we love them. We're just not going to let them have a voice. That was mine too. Because <laughs> I've never heard that before. I never heard the other side of, no, we don't evict the roommate. We mm -hmm. surrender to the fact the roommate's in the house and love them. Love them. But, you know, don't let them, like you said, Lynn, don't let them drive the car. Don't let them give the directions. <laughs> yeah. You know, they can sit in the back seat, but wow. Yeah. yeah. I like personalizing my thoughts that way or personifying mm -hmm. my thoughts. It like, makes me think of when I was first sober, there was a woman at the meetings, and she always used to say, um, your disease is like a little girl that's two mm -hmm. kicking and screaming behind your seat saying, "You want I want a drink, I want a drink, I want a drink. And you just have to, you just have to, sometimes as a parent, you just have to let them scream. Yeah. And love them anyways. And what a visual that was. But so, yeah, yeah. thanks for bringing that back yeah. to me. When you said yeah. that, that, it brought that little girl back. Because I picture myself with the pigtails in <laughs> the back I can totally seat. see it, yeah. I mean, I was a brat. <laughs> I want my whoopee full of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Give me Give my, my sippy, sippy cup. cup. <laughs> it reminds me, every time I think of sippy cup, it reminds me of in when I was in high school, Purple Passion, you probably Oof. don't even know what it is. Purple Passion Oof. was super popular. They were in two liters, and they had this giveaway, 
and it was a water bottle that was like scoochy and it had like the foam in the middle and it was plastic and it had a purple straw and oh god that was like my sippy cup i would fill that Ooh. oh i would fill that up and i would go to parties and i'd be like i don't need the keg i got purple passion <laughs> there was a guy that i used to party <laughs> with who was he was the spilios that was always knocking his drinks over so we would always say oh he needs a sippy cup and i think we actually gave him one but his name became sippy cup and to this day i don't remember his real name he was sippy cup Oh, I want to meet him. Sippy cup. Oh, God. Oh, so we're all a bunch of freaks, and yeah. we love it. Yeah. Your freak Surrender flag to fly. your freak flag. Your freak flag fly. <laughs> all right, people. We love you. We are grateful. We hit over 1,000 downloads. Woo, woo, woo. Please rate, review, subscribe. Let us follow. Know. Share. Follow. Give us, yeah, give us comments. We love the feedback because we're just kind of shooting in the dark, literally, here. Yeah. So anything you can, good and bad. We're all about topics. It. Yeah, topics. Topics. We did get a suggestion for traditions, and we're gonna okay. we're gonna dabble into that. I, I need to do more homework on that yep. before I think I feel yep. speak confidently. Exactly. All right, guys. Tribe out. Tribe out. Tribe out. We here at Telling On Ourselves, thank you so much for listening. Please, if you like what you heard, rate, review, subscribe, all of those things. We're on social media all over the place, at Telling On Ourselves. Can't wait to hear. Bye-bye.